What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes podcast on the 24-7 Sports Network. I'm Andrew Ivins. On the other side of the microphone, David Lake. We have just gotten through the busiest day of the recruiting cycle, and that is the first day of the early signing period. I guess it's called signing day now. Miami, they get Jake Garcia. Miss out on a few other guys. David, just your thoughts. Let's go. Getting Jake Garcia was what signing day this year was all about. Um, You know, of course, did they miss some corners? Yes. Uh, Is that disappointing? Sure. But that should not in any way overshadow landing a top 50 quarterback in the country. Uh, I think when you judge recruiting classes as a whole, you need to look at what type of quarterback did this class uh, sign. Miami signed one of the best quarterbacks in the country. That's nothing to overlook. We'll, we'll get into it more. And overall, you know, it, it was a great day for Miami. Um, you know, the name of the game in terms of winning at the highest level in, in college football is talent acquisition. And, you know, I think, I think we do need to take the time and celebrate and take a step back and, you know, really uh, understand the type of class Miami just signed. Um, You know, guys like Leonard Taylor, James Williams have been committed for a while now. And I think when that happens, you kind of forget just how big of a deal it is that that Miami landed two players of that caliber. Um, And and they're not the only ones. Miami landed some big time dudes at various positions. We'll get into it here. But, you know, overall, it was a great day, which honestly is it is a change right from signing days in recent years with Miami there's always been that kind of kicked in the nuts moment for for Miami on signing day I would say that didn't happen this year even with Miami not being able to close it on a corner Um, you know getting a guy like Jake Garcia in the class on signing day was a huge deal it was Um, I think we're going to get into backstory on Jake Garcia, talk about Jaden McBurrows, probably on the other side of the podcast, discuss who's still in play. I do want to fire off some stats for you, okay? Ready. Are all... I got some too, but go ahead. Oh God, maybe we have the same ones. Jeez. Um, <laughs> these are all per the 24-7 sports database. So first time since 2008, Miami signed multiple five-star prospects. So in 2008, Andrew was like a junior in high school. <laughs> so it's been a while. That was my first class I ever covered. Wow. Did I just make you feel old right there? Oh, I already know I'm old. That was the number one class in the country, by the way. Okay. I think they had four five stars then, or was it three? I know it was three at least. I think it was three. Yeah. Yeah, Okay. James Williams, highest ranked DB to sign with Miami since Kenny Phillips back in 2005. Mm -hmm. Jake Garcia, highest ranked quarterback signee for Miami since Kyle Wright back in 2003. And then this one is still a working stat. So, you know, I I, I haven't had time to run the calculations, but I I believe it is true. Romello Brinson, Jacoby George, and Broussard Smith, highest ranked wide receiver trio since the start of the 24-7 sports era. So that's at least 11 years. Oof. That's, that's, That's encouraging for the future of the Miami passing attack when you consider they also have Elijah Arroyo and Jake Garcia in this class. Um, yeah, some of the similar stats, like I'm bringing to the table, 
you know, just similar, like big picture look at, at how good this class is, right? Um, so one, one of the things I want to highlight is Miami landing five-star players in Leonard Taylor and James Williams, right? Um, these dudes are elite. And Miami in Leonard Taylor, Miami lands the number one defensive tackle in the country. Uh, that's not something to overlook. And in James Williams, they land the number one safety in the country. Both those guys rank inside the top 15 in the country. Um, I do think there are levels, right, in recruiting. And I think there's different levels, honestly, at the five-star level. I think the guys in the top 10, maybe the top 15, if you want to be generous for this case with Miami, are different than the guys on the back end of the five stars, to be honest. I think you could say the same about top 50 four stars compared to four stars that are ranked 150 down to you know 350. There are different levels to, to the caliber of five-star prospects and four-star prospects. Uh, James Williams and Leonard Taylor are of that elite echelon of five-star players. And when you look at it, you know, comparing them to the different programs in the country, um, only including Miami, only four teams in the country signed at least two players inside the top 15. Alabama signed three, Ohio State signed two, Georgia signed two, and of course Miami signed two. So I think that kind of puts it in perspective because look, in college football, the elite players matter. Those guys change games. Those guys are the difference makers. And I know, you know, saying that maybe sounds obvious, but I think it needs to be driven home even more. I mean, you know, I think Miami fans, the easiest way to, to recognize this is, uh, you know, a handful of years ago, right? Miami and Florida State were in some battles. Um, the, the biggest difference in that game was five-star running back Dalvin Cook. Those two teams were essentially, uh, you know, playing one-score games. But the difference was Dalvin Cook uh, who was a, a elite five-star recruit changing the game with his ability. Um, now, am I saying like Leonard Taylor and James Williams are going to have that type of impact at Miami? We'll find out. But the, the point I'm making is that Miami improved the probability of landing that type of difference maker by adding a five-star, you know, a couple of top 15 in the country, five stars to the roster. That's nothing to overlook. I'll put it like this. David, I don't know if you are a video game guy, but when you had the NCAA series of video games, correct? Right. You would have right. those impact players yeah, with the stars underneath them. Um, right. Like I think t Leonard Taylor and James Williams like are that. Okay. Correct. And there's correct. other guys in the class that I think could be it too. Those three wide receivers, Romello Brinson, Jacoby George, uh, Brashard Smith, Elijah Arroyo. Like, I think there's just a, a potential, there's a lot of star power in this class. So yeah, it's, it's, it's impressive. What do you think this says about Manny's ability to recruit? Are, are you impressed with the jump he's made, you know, even from last cycle to this cycle? Yes. Or do you chalk it up to like, oh, Miami locked up or locked up, 
lucked out because it's a COVID year? I think COVID plays a part of it for sure. Absolutely. 100%. But let's say this is a regular season and, you know, regular season kids can visit anywhere. I think the fact that Miami still went eight and two, right. Um, would, would have gotten them a, a bulk of this class across the finish line. So, you know, I, I, I think just having covered this, I don't, I don't know how long I've been four or five years now covering this is my right. fourth, fifth, sixth or fifth. I, I don't know. This is, I think, the most the head coach has kind of been involved. Um, go to Jake Garcia. Like Diaz was in, I, he is listed as the secondary recruiter on Jake Garcia. Diaz is listed as the secondary recruiter on uh, James Williams. I can never remember a moment when I marked Mark Richt as a secondary recruiter. And, and look, when I when Rick left, I said Miami needs to make a guy or needs to hire a guy where they're going to make it hard for kids to say no to Miami. And I think, you know, I, I thought Diaz had a chance to do that, but it was going to take some time. And I think he's kind of finding his way on the recruiting trail. Right. And I think he's understanding, look, I don't think he would, he would ever admit like, Oh, recruiting rankings matter on the micro level in terms of, the evaluations that 24 seven sports gives individual players. Right. But I think Diaz and, you know, every major power five head coach would admit, would recognize that on the macro level, uh, you know, recruiting rankings do matter. How many five stars are on your roster? How many four stars are on your roster? How, you know, how do, how does my roster in that way compare to the teams I'm competing against in my conference? That stuff matters. You look at the 24-7 sports team talent composite, which is a formula that, that you know, looks at a roster of a team and says, you know, according to the recruiting rankings, this is the most talented team in the roster. It ranks it one through 130, right? Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson. Uh, these are the teams that are at the top of that team talent composite. Miami right now, is at number 18 in the country. And look, is, is the team talent composite the best predictor of success moving forward? No, of course not. There's definitely misses uh, uh, in terms of teams above Miami that aren't having a successful 2020 season. But I will say this, like in a big picture sense, when I watch Miami play on Saturdays, to me, they look like about the number 18, you know, a team that should be ranked number 18 or so in the country. Um, so it does line up somewhat. And again, recruiting is a probability game. The more five stars you land, the more top 100 players you land, the more four stars you land, the more you increase your chances of winning at the highest level and eventually competing for championships. All right. We're like, I would have to guess, I don't know. 16 minutes into this podcast and we haven't discussed what happened with Jay Garcia. Are you ready for that? I'm ready. <laughs> um, so Jay Garcia almost went to Arkansas. Oof. How, why, what, what, <laughs> what was he thinking? Go ahead. I, I don't know. Um, he visited Miami and, or I guess he toured South Florida with his parents and like any other year, I mean, 
you visit before that the weekend before signing day. I mean, that's your last chance to see it. Everything goes dead. And then you kind of normally sign with that school. Like if you are a, a college coach, that's when you're trying to get your, your big dog on campus. So anyone can't swoop in there. And, and Jake did that, but Miami obviously got smoked by North Carolina. Um, right. I also think we didn't realize just how different this cycle is. If there's a hiccup on these self-guided tours, there's no one there to ease right. things over. Um, you know, I think a, a bad experience can spiral um, real fast. Now, I, I don't know exactly the details of, of Jake and his parents stay in South Florida. I, I just don't think it was, um, you know, a 10 out of 10. I'll just, I'll right. just put it like that. So he goes back to Georgia. Um, and you know, Sunday, I, th- I think Miami thought they were in a good spot. That was not the case on Monday. Um, Arkansas was absolutely involved in the recruitment. Uh, they were making a push, Kendall Bryles and Jesse Stone. We mentioned him on, on the pre signing day podcast. Jesse knew Jake from when, when Jake or from when he was working with Dan Enos at Miami. He's now what you said, a player personnel guy at Arkansas. I right. think he also knew Jake when he was at uh, Georgia before he even made the, the, the leap to Miami. So there was some conversations and we got to give credit to Rhett Lashley. Um, I know him and Jake had a very long conversation on Monday night. And then after that, um, it seemed like Miami's confidence kind of rose and, and they got the job done. But I, for everyone that thinks, you know, this was a, a slam dunk, you know, this is more of a kind of like breakaway layup. Um, but, but, you know, a, a defender kind of got in the way there at the end. So um, good get for Miami. You know, I think it's funny. I, I, I was thinking about this yesterday. Like we got all that, crap all cycle for always mentioning jake garcia <laughs> right i did too I and it's like this. all right guys guess what we said be patient and, the, and they got him so uh, you know. it ended up working out but you know you get it too like miami fans have had to be patient for other guys and you know it didn't work out on right. signing day so well, i understand it yeah no and, and i i texted you in our in our group chat i was like Dude, I remember a year ago when everyone's like, why the hell are you at? What do you want to interview Jake Garcia when he's at the Future 50 event in Orlando? They're like, he's going to USC. Like, Miami's a disaster because Miami had just right. got smoked by Louisiana Tech. And look, you never know what's going to happen recruiting. And, and they ended up getting him. Let me ask you this, too. And, and you may not know the answer. Uh, I'm kind of putting you on the spot, but I've seen from various. Florida State side of things, right? That they felt like they were really in it with Jake um, before they landed Mackenzie Milton. And they felt like if they didn't take Mackenzie Milton, they might have landed Jake Garcia. I, I think that's true. Okay. Let's let's go back to when me and you went up to Valdosta, correct? Right. So when I interviewed Jake, the only school I think he mentioned was Miami. And that's because I, I brought up Miami. He kept saying um, ACC and SEC schools. I, I can't remember the exact wording. Maybe I should pull it up. But he wouldn't mention anyone by name, which you 
pointed out right away. You're like, this is kind of weird. Why is he doing this? Right. And I think it's because maybe Florida State had a quarterback committed. Arkansas has had two quarterbacks committed. And he just seems to be so calculated in everything he does that he knew he can't mention these other schools or it could potentially mess things up for what those schools already have committed and, and all that. I mean, to me, he's he was very secretive. And again, the word I would use is calculated about what he let out, what he did, right. and everything. So that, that's my thought process. So absolutely. I mean, Florida State could have been involved in this way longer than we initially had thought. You obviously now do a lot on the evaluation side. Um, for 24-7 sports, uh, you're involved in the rankings, et cetera, et cetera. W- what impresses you most about Jake Garcia, the player, the, the prospect? I just think like the arm. Um, I think he can make a ton of throws. I, You know, am, am I ready to say he's going to be like the guy? Um, let's say King comes back and then – would he be the guy in 2022? I, I just, I don't know, man. Like there's, I, I've only seen a few limited quarterbacks where you just kind of knew. Uh, I think you got to right. see what it's like once they get on campus. Look, I mean, Jared Williams threw a school record six touchdown passes against Louisville and is now going to spend the next few years at USF. Um, right. So who knows? But I, I think the arms there, I, I like his mechanics. Um, what about you? What, what stands out to yeah. you? Yeah. So I went back and watched, you know, his film from this year just to, you know, refresh myself, reset kind of my thoughts on him. And the things, the things that I like most about him are the little things that I feel like matter at the quarterback position. I feel like he gets the ball out quick. Um, Why does that matter? I think in high school, these, you know, a lot of high school quarterbacks are the most athletic guys on the field at the high school level, whether or not, you know, and a lot of times that's not going to be the case in college, right? So a lot of high school quarterbacks are able to get antsy in the pocket, uh, break from the pocket, run around, wait for a guy that's wide open and, you know, hit that guy downfield for a score. I feel like Jake Garcia uh, really, does a nice job for a high school level quarterback of staying in the pocket, sliding in the pocket when he needs to. He makes a few throws on on his highlights this year where he is, he is standing tough in the pocket and taking a hit um, while delivering a throw and it's an accurate throw. And uh, you know, that to me shows the type of toughness pocket awareness that you need you know, at these, at the college level. And of course, at the NFL level to be an effective quarterback. So that's kind of the first thing I've noticed. Um, the second thing is just the accuracy. Uh, he, 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 he delivers an accurate ball. He knows how to change speeds. Um, and he is also willing to push the ball. He's not some guy that's always going to check the ball down, uh, which does matter you want, especially at the high school level, like if you can't push the ball downfield and make aggressive throws down the seam or outside the numbers, you're not going to, you're not going to all of a sudden be that guy in college. Um, Either you have that ability or you don't, in my opinion. 
Um, so those are kind of the small, subtle things I like about Jake. But yeah, I mean, he does have clean footwork. He does have a, a very nice stroke. Uh, the arm strength I think is good. It's not great, but in my opinion, I think that's something that can be improved once you get in a college level strength program. And I'm not saying it necessarily does need to be improved, but I think it will improve as he gets older and stronger. So I think all the tools are there, but to your point, like, uh, am I expecting him to be like a Sam Howell? I'm not there yet. I think no. he no. Right. He, he might have Sam Howell potential down the road, but like, do I want Jake Garcia being a true freshman starter at Miami? I would not. Um, and I've been clear on that, right? Like if Derek King leaves, they need to get a tra transfer. Um, but I think the tools are there with Jake and, and, you know, like a lot of high, like most high level quarterback prospects with him, it's going to be about, how hard are you working when you get to Miami? Uh, you touched on Jaron Williams. Jaron Williams has talent. Um, you know, there was, there was other things that, that limited him reaching his potential at Miami. Um, if Jake Garcia doesn't fall into some of those traps and, and focuses on ball, he, he's going to be a good one at Miami. Um, so, you know, like a lot of players, it's up to them and, and how much work they're willing to put in. Yeah. Footwork is something else that, that jumped out to me. I also think he's kind of like got some leader in him and you need that. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Just based on what he puts on, on social media and look, he's in a weird situation, fifth, fifth high school in four years, but I think he's trying to embrace the leadership role at these mm -hmm. last two stops as best as he can from my understanding. And I think it's impressive. I don't know if you feel the same way, but like, I think it's impressive what he's doing at Grayson and I understand like Grayson's a powerhouse program. They have a lot of talent, um, but being able to step in mid season and lead them on a deep playoff run that is still ongoing. We'll see if they get to the state championship game. To me, that's impressive. I don't know. I think that speaks to his ability to, like you said, lead quickly, take on that uh, leadership role and also just get on the same page with, with his teammates who he's had to build a chemistry with on the fly. Um, I think that is impressive. Yeah. And Miami will have him for spring football. He is enrolling early. We do not know what the structure of that quarterback room is going to look like, but potentially it could be Derek King, uh, Nikosi Perry, Tyler Van Dyke, Peyton Matoka or Matocha, uh, Tate Martell. Can't forget. He's still technically <laughs> part of the, of the program and um, uh, Jake Garcia. So, it could be it could be interesting. I'm assuming we'll get zero access uh, to those practices, but there will be a lot of guys in, in red jerseys. Um, David, let's pivot to. So I had to write the national winners and losers on signing day. Um, mm -hmm. I had Miami somewhere in the middle, and look, they got a, a monster quarterback. They also fended off Florida for Brashard Smith. He signed with Miami. Um, you know, I think some. Some other sites out there think I'm just trying to create drama. I'm not. There was some concern from Miami's end. Florida absolutely made a push, but they get him. Monster get. We, we can save that for the back half. But let's talk about uh, the miss. Jaden McBurrows, J-Mac is what the guys at St. Thomas Aquinas call him. He do, decides to stick with Michigan, and this is – I feel like 
this is like the same old story when it comes to cornerback recruiting. Yeah, disappointing, right? Um, It's disappointing in a big picture sense, like with the narrative that you're touching on, right? Like for whatever reason, it makes absolutely no sense. Miami can't uh, consistently land the top local corners. And, and, you know, in in Jaden McBurrow's case, he's a good player. I think he's good enough to be at Miami, but is he necessarily a top corner? Uh, You know, that's up for debate. And you would hope if Miami did push for a guy that's committed to Michigan, you know, a Michigan team that is not having a good season and their coach, you know, who, who knows how long he will be there. Um, You would, you would hope that Miami could flip that guy if they, if they wanted to. Um, I know you have some information on that, uh, but you know, in a big picture sense, it is disappointing to see that they couldn't close with McBurrows. But when I take a step back and, and maybe I'm getting ahead of myself, but I don't know if, if missing specifically on Jaden McBurrows is a big deal. Um, but I do think it's, it's a bad big picture narrative type thing where Miami cannot close on a corner ever. Okay. So is this where I'm supposed to in- insert the background story on Jaden McBurrows? Yes. Okay. Uh, I got a call the day before Thanksgiving and, you know, at the time Jada McBurrows was not like, I kind of, I knew there was some contacts, but Miami hadn't gone all in anytime. Anyone ever asked me about him. I was like, yo, I think this is the best, best, best option you got in South Florida. So someone reached out to me. They're like, Hey, I think we're going to take Jada McBurrows. Like this is the guy we're going to go on. Um, And it was right around that time when I, said, look, I think Miami's moving in an absolutely different direction with the with Marquevious Brown. Um, I think I put in a crystal ball for Ole Miss a few days later. Uh, that's that's when the Marquevious Brown, Brown stuff died. And, and from what I was mm-hmm. told, the plan was that they felt really, really good about getting Jaden McBurrows. I even heard Jaden initiated the contact with Miami because uh, he was considering staying home. So Miami pivoted its focus there. And then started talking with some, some big, big guys. The plan was to, they thought they could get Jaden McBurrows and then go after a Darius McGee, um, a, a Nate Wiggins, a Terry and Arnold. They thought at the time, you know, they could potentially get one of those guys. Uh, I don't know where they finished with McGee, the, the kid out of Pensacola who signed with LSU. You know, maybe it was second and third. Uh, Nate Wiggins, who flipped to Clemson uh, last week. From LSU, they finished second there. I've heard that from multiple people. And then Terry and Arnold, they're not even his top five. So um, those are the big dogs they were going to chase. But McBurrows is the one they felt like they could have got. Someone told me recently that McBurrows had indicated in early December that he was going to uh, Miami. I never put in a, a flip pick on the crystal ball. Number one, because I didn't want to... Um, you know, put all that out there. Like I thought I made it pretty clear that Miami had felt good at the same time though. I wasn't like confident, like this was a done deal. And I went out to St. Thomas Aquinas's practice on Tuesday night. Uh, McBurrows was wearing Michigan cleats. I asked him, I'm like, yeah, what's up with this? He's like, oh, they're just my cleats, which I get. I mean, kids get cleats from teams all the time. We talked, I came out of that conversation thinking, that Miami could be the pick. I mean, a lot of his teammates were teasing about Miami. 
I, I, I'm fully under the belief that no, no school knew where he was going until early Wednesday morning. Uh, and he called Miami and told them that he's going to Michigan. And one of the main reasons why is because Michigan had been on him from the jump. So that's the backstory. Um, I don't, you can't fault a kid, I think, for picking Michigan. No. Right. Like Don Brown has put some dudes in the NFL. That's a good education. It yeah. just, I, I think if you're a Miami fan, it has to be super frustrating. So, where does Miami go from here, in your opinion? And I want your take on like missing specifically Jaden McBurrows. How big of a deal is it? Okay. Let's, let's take a quick break and then we'll do that on the other side. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Okay, David. So where does Miami go from here? Well, let's start with, is this, is this a big deal for Miami? Um, I, I'm a, I'm a big Burroughs guy. Like I give me that yeah. guy on my team. So is it the end of the world? No. Uh, Cause they can rally in the, in the transfer portal. The NCAA announced on Wednesday that guys can transfer everywhere and not have to sit out a season. Like there will be some options out there. Um, you know, I think what made McBurrows a, a good fit is he plays what I would assume and what I believe is the Manny Diaz style of football. You know, uh, he's, he's like a dog. Uh, he, he right. could have in your slot corner. So I think it hurts in that sense. Um, kind of looking just at all these misses together. Right. And I don't know I, if I texted you about this. I know I put it in the message board. But look, man, it, it seems to me like Miami has not really just settled for corners, which I think is a little kind of encouraging. So when they missed on Demarius McGee, I mean, that kid signed with LSU. When they missed on Nate Wiggins, that kid signed uh, with Clemson. When they missed on Jason Marshall, that guy signed with Florida. Um you know, I think some schools would just sure. go and try to flip like a group of five kid or take some under the radar, but Miami hasn't done that. And I think that's maybe the right approach. I, I don't know. So which do you think they chase a high school corner in February? Uh, do they go after portal? Do they do both? Okay. Well, I, I haven't had, I haven't had the time to write this yet because <laughs> you know I, I've slept over six hours for the first time like a week last night. Um, they're definitely going to go after a high school corner. Uh, the name I know that they want. I, I put this out there even before signing day is Tavarish Dawson, who me and you are like have yeah. loved, long loved. Um, 
fourth in the hundred meter dash at the state meet, like as a sophomore, I think, I think he's got a 10, seven, one to his credit. I, I don't know. I can't remember on the smaller side, but man, I was texting some with someone about this yesterday. I saw his team Lehigh play St. Thomas Aquinas in, in the second or third round of the state playoffs. And I thought Dawson was uh, probably the third best player on the entire field. So you got STA's entire team uh, is on the other side. So that would include Dallas Turner. Mm-hmm. And then I think maybe I put like Tyreek Sapp number two, and then Dawson's number three. He was that good. Um, yeah. Guy, guy that goes both ways. So he did not sign with Auburn on uh, signing day because they fired Gus Malzahn. And Miami definitely going to try to get in there, uh, but so is every other school in the country. I think in the past 24 hours, he's picked up offers from Texas A&M, Mississippi State. I mean, I think Clemson is close to offering. I know Florida State wants him. I will say Miami has one unique advantage. Um, this kid has been on campus multiple times before. I found an old photo of him working out for Mike Rump and the Hurricanes like back in the summer of 2018. So we'll see if they can do it, but he's the one high school corner, I think, right now that they're going to go after. And uh, who, is the, who is the team that concerns you most? Is it too early to say? Like, do you think he would be locked into Auburn? Do you think Texas A&M has a, has a legit chance? Does Miami have a legit chance? I mean, you want me to shoot it straight? Shoot it straight. I don't think Miami has a chance. Okay. And tell me this, like he is a guy, he is a guy that plays some receiver, right? Is he, is he all on board with playing corner? No. Right. So Auburn was taking him as a slot receiver to play in Chad Morris's offense. You know, they have all these speedy guys, Anthony Schwartz, Sean Shivers, like he was going to be a gadget type guy for them. I've always seen like the long-term picture idea with corner Yes, you know, I agree I, with that. And me and you have. I think others have been like a little, uh, but I think he's way further along as a corner than a yeah. guy like Malik Curtis. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No and, and, and does Miami have a chance? Like, yeah, I think they have a chance. I just, dude, it, there's Clemson could very well come for him. Like I said, Texas A&M, I mean, heck, Jimbo is recruiting at an elite level. He, he's pulled guys out of Fort Myers before. Derek um, Hunter. Yeah, like, like Derek Hunter. And who else those who gets involved? Like I, for me to sit here and be like, yep, this is the guy from Miami after how we've seen cornerback recruiting uh, go would be ridiculous. Like, you know. Right. And so, okay. So Tavares, let's just say it doesn't work out. Um, I'm here are, for taking, taking there are, Go ahead. No, there are some other corners out there. Okay. Uh, Dante Balfour. Uh, I mentioned him. I love him. He's a kid out of Stark, Florida. I, I have no idea where that is. I just know it's a little outside of Gainesville. Um, you know, I, I think Miami should get involved with him. They haven't offered uh, Mississippi State and LSU have over the past 24 hours. So he's one in state. And then uh, as I was kind of perusing the national rankings, there are some, some blue chip corners that did not sign. So I was wondering maybe if Miami tried to get involved with these kids um, that, that are our national prospects. I'm going to give you two names, Isaiah Johnson, who started his career in West Virginia, transferred somewhere else. I think he's in California now. One of the top-ranked commits in Arizona State's class. He didn't sign. I guess it has to do with grades. I'm not really sure. Um, 
I think Miami had, maybe has a little more leeway than some other schools with, with qualifiers, but he's a long corner, 6'3 or so, and he's been on campus before. He, he visited back in January. I know there's some red flags, but who knows? Maybe Miami wants to get involved there. And then there's another kid, Avante Dickerson, who is a top 24-7 recruit in the state of Nebraska, did not sign with Minnesota, um, and many believe that's because – Nebraska it gave him a lot to think about there in that 11th hour but look man if, you, if you're on the market in, in January I think you are free game like it's hard to consider you a commit for someone what what is your opinion you've seen Isaiah Johnson um what is what is your opinion of him is he as good as his ranking I guess is what I'm getting at well at one point he was like a borderline five star uh no uh but he he would be you know I think he's a four borderline top 24 seven guy. Um, look, man, you like, he's is he better than Isaiah Dunson or similar, similar, probably a little bit better. Yeah. I'll tell, I'll tell you the guy who Miami should have went after And you know, I'm going to pound the table on this Tommy Hill um, out of Orlando yeah. Edgewater. You know, I went and saw him play ugh, a couple of weeks ago. He was awesome. Um, he's long, wide receiver, corner, uh, has uh, the big knock on him for some reason, his top closing speed. I mean, I don't know. He's like an 11-1-3 kid in the 100-meter dash. I think the big three in the state of Florida three or four years from now are going to be like, how did we let this kid go to Arizona State? So that's who I think Miami should have went after, but it is what it is. Do you think they will explore the portal as well? I think they already are. <laughs> um, I, I think I, I would anticipate maybe one high school corner and a graduate corner. But again, you know, I think maybe two graduate corners is, or it, not even have to be graduate, just transfer. Cause now guys can, um, you know, they can, they don't have to sit out. So I, I think they're absolutely in the portal. And I think now they're going to start making moves in the portal. Anything else on corner? I mean, give me your take. What do you think they should do? <laughs> I, at this point, I'm all in on the portal with corner. Um, I, there, I mean, hasn't, I, there hasn't been a name yet, though, where it's like, yep, this is the guy, right? Agreed. That's very fair. Yes. There, there's no no-brainer yet at, the, at this stage. Um, so there is a bit of an unknown. I agree with that. Um, I guess what I would say is, continue to take swings at Dawson. Uh, who knows where that goes, but I would, I would expect to make my additions at that position uh, through the portal. So, um, you know, I, I think, again, I've spoken on this, like I think still Miami in 2021, this 2021 season, Miami still needs to be in win now mode. You need to win, you know, winning, uh, recruiting success is a reflection of winning at Miami. So they need to keep winning in 2021 corner to me. Um, yeah. Miami's going to return a lot of guys with experience, but I think that position needs some upgrade upgrading. So um, if a high level corner does enter the transfer portal, Miami needs to go all in. Now the competition for that type of corner is probably going to be immense, but uh, you got to find a way you, you gotta, in my opinion, you gotta make some sort of slight upgrade there for 2021. 
Dude, I mean, Clemson and LSU cannot play like six corners at a time. So <laughs> right. at, some, at some point, one of them is just going to end up at, at, at my, in Miami's lap. Um, should we talk about the other guy that's still in play for Miami? Yeah. Austin Barber. It. The big ugly. Uh, the big ugly. You know, I know some, some have reported that there's no chance he will sign uh, early. I think Miami's going to have some conversations with him probably on Thursday and Friday, try to get that NLI. Uh, if he waits, um, that wouldn't be ideal just because I think other right. schools would get involved just how we talked with corner. That same thing's going to happen for a six, seven offensive lineman that can move. So Austin Barber is at Jacksonville Trinity Christian. They won a three, a state title on Wednesday night. One of the reasons why he didn't sign early was because he was so focused on um, that run-up to the, to the state title. So we'll see what happens there. I keep hearing Ole Miss is the biggest competition in that recruitment. You know, Lane Kiffin running around with a, a Flipmas shirt on. Um, <laughs> but I, I think they're, they're in a bit of a numbers crunch as well. And I know Miami wants him. They had him on a Zoom call with Dave Feely, Rhett Lashley. So that's the, that's the one name that's in play. And I think you are for taking him, right, yes. David? Yeah, I'm a fan. You know, in this spread offense, I think pass protection, you know, in a lot of ways uh, is going to be fine. Like, you know, your quarterback's in shotgun a lot. Uh, so that alone helps the, the offensive line be better at pass protection, right? So I think with this style of offense, what you do need is mashers in the run game. And, and you know, we've seen it now for two years now where this offensive line is a finesse offensive line. Let's be real. They can't move people in the run game. They can't get any push. This dude gets a ton of push. Um, you know, is he, is he like the most athletic offensive tackle in the country? No, but he is a guy that plays nasty, uh, is strong, is big, and he will move people in the run game. And I think that's what Miami needs on the offensive line. So I'm a big fan. Dude, he's athletic. There's a video of him dunking in Crocs. All right, that's that's not easy. <laughs> he's to six do. seven though. <laughs> Have you ever jumped in Crocs? Do you own no, a pair of Crocs? I do not. Okay, <laughs> I used to have one for mowing the lawn. Um, I didn't have a chance to. <laughs> okay, tell me this with with Barber. Let's say they don't get Barber, right? Or Barber does not sign. They're just going to hold that spot for a portal, right? They're not going to like continue to pursue offensive right, linemen. Right. Correct. Okay. I don't think there's anyone. I, I mean, I will see as the dust settles, but no one has written um, the who's best still available. And hopefully they do not assign me that assignment because I, <laughs> I'm out of, I'm out of juice. Sure. Um, but I haven't seen any like offensive linemen like that. What I was going to ask you though, I wasn't on any of the Zoom calls for Manny Diaz. Did other assistant coaches talk? Just Manny. Give me like, because I want to wrap this up soon. Just give me like, yeah. the, like something you said that he's interesting. I will say I chuckled at some of the heights and weights that were listed for some of these kids. I mean, you know, when is the last time Miami's had a chance to measure some of them? Right, right. Um, you know, I will say... Manny Diaz opened his press conference with a cool story about James Williams. He, he, he said, you know, back in 2017, uh, when we were in the middle of, of having a, a great season at Miami, I was the defensive coordinator 
And during one of the, I believe it was one of the bye weeks, uh, he was making the rounds in South Florida. He stopped at, I believe it was Monsignor Pace at that time. Yep. And, and the coach brought in uh, James Williams, who at the time was a freshman. And, you know, immediately at that moment, Manny Diaz knew, okay, this is, this is the type of dude Miami has to land in order to compete at the level that Miami aspires to compete at. And, you know, he said back then he knew he was going to have to put in a ton of time to convince this guy uh, to come to Miami. And the point Manny was making is, you know, the process of convincing top 15 in the country, five-star players locally to stay home has been a four-year process. And it is, it is beginning, he hopes, with James Williams, and it is a trend that will continue in the future. So he's clearly proud of, of James, you know, landing James. I think there is a strong bond there. You know, you know, like James has a has an interesting story to him too, uh, an interesting personal story, which I think makes, you know, makes him endearing. I think he, he's a guy that a lot of people root for um, w- when you know, like what he's come from. Um, so I think in a big picture sense, Manny tried to make the point of like, look, we're, we're getting this thing on track, not only on the field, but on the recruiting trail. And when things get on track on the recruiting trail, that means success should potentially come in the future uh, on the field. So he said it's been a four-year process recruiting a dude like James Williams. And, uh, you know, hopefully this is, this is a trend for Miami in the future. Yeah. I remember when I first met James Williams as well. Uh, as well. He was playing for the Florida Fire. Um and they're like, yeah, he's over here on our U15 team. And I'm like, this kid is not 14 years old. <laughs> right. I mean, because he's right. always been 6'4", 6'5". Uh, that's a good story. And I, I I, think there's probably more of that in this cycle than right. people would realize. Um, right. Because that was what... Manny's second season at Miami, if you put it in that type of perspective, right? So he's yeah. just kind of, you know building relationships with eighth, ninth graders that are now going to be signing. And I remember like, man, the first time they offered Romello Brinson and I was like, Hey man, like we just moved Romello up and Brinson up in the rankings. I said that to, to one of the, one of the people at Miami and they're like, good. Like he's an absolute stud. And yeah. this at the time was when like Romello, I think had caught two or three varsity passes. Right. Um, so it's cool yeah. to hear some of those. He mentioned, you know, Lawrence Seymour. They offered him at a youth camp when, when Lawrence was in eighth grade. So, yeah, I mean, you know, these, these, the point Manny's trying to make is these relationships do matter. And, you know, they are continuing to build these relationships with local guys at a young age. Hopefully Miami continues to win. And, you know, that in turn will make a case that, hey, why do I want to leave? You know, I can have everything I need at a place like Miami, stay home. And as the great Nesta Silvera said, make the crib great. The great Nesta Silvera. Uh, anything else? Close out the notebook. What else do you got? Yeah, that's it. You know, I think we're, we're going to be in a, 
wait and see mode for uh, the bowl game, right? And uh, so it'll be interesting. I think a lot of projections are Texas. Um, in which Orlando? I'm, yeah, in the Cheez-It Bowl, it's now called. Formerly Russell Athletic, formerly Camping World, currently Cheez-It. I think it was um, formerly the Tangerine Bowl at one point. Yeah, yeah, way back in the day. Yeah, yeah. I saw I saw Philip Rivers light it up there as a kid, still playing. <laughs> wow, that is that's a good little tidbit. Um, so yeah, you know, I, I'm here for that game if that ends up happening, and you know, we'll have more breakdowns, more fallout from signing day. And as you alluded to, you know, Miami's not done. The signing period does go until Friday, um, right. and we'll see how things go with Austin Barber here as as UM tries to convince him to, to join the class. Yeah, and not, not to make everyone even more upset, but I, I did say I would put this out there. So uh, Miami was kicking the tires on a lot of big guys late. Uh, one of them was Dallas Turner, who mm-hmm. signed with Alabama. Um, I know they had him on the phone with Greg Russo, thought there was a chance, and look, man, Bama flexed its muscle, which is the case yeah. every year. But I, I, I just throw that out there because – I want people to know that it's right. not like they're just not trying. Um, you know. Right. It's a process. And I think, look, uh, again, we touched on this in the beginning of the podcast. Year over year, this class is a, in my opinion, it's a big improvement from last year's class in terms of the elite dudes. Uh, and now, you know, recruiting, I wrote this on the site today, recruiting is a relentless pursuit it never ends. So now the goal uh, for Manny Diaz and the coaching staff is what do you do next year? How do you top this class that you just signed? Because that's the goal. That's what Alabama's doing. That's what Clemson's doing. That's what Ohio State's doing. So you want to get to that level, you need to recruit at that level. So hopefully Miami takes the next jump and another step in 2022. Last question. Better class than Storm 18, yes or no? Yes. Yeah, the elite guys, the elite guys. Well, the back end of the Storm 18 class is the one that's 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 proved proved to hit. I agree. I agree. All right, let's get out of here. We'll talk to you guys later. Later.